Well, good evening, everybody. It's a good one here. Welcome to the Jimmy Palumbo Show. I'm your host, Jimmy Palumbo, and this is show number 23. That's right, show number 23. And as you know, those of you scoring at home, we like to name the show after the a baseball or uh, athlete's jersey of that number. So number 23. I couldn't really think of any 23s that were really big other than Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Um, but after that, there were two huge ones, and you got Mattingly at 23. And they all played a long time. So I realized there's not many good shitty 23s for yeah, me. Yeah, there's this, none, at least Although in the I 80s. came up with a few. Uh, in the old, not, not shitty, but the old days, it was Ralph Terry from the 50s. If my dad were alive, he'd be laughing. Some bad Yankees, Jerry Moses and Damaso Garcia. You, you, might, you might remember him in the 80s. No. Another bad catcher, Johnny. I was, I was born into the Mattingly era. Okay. So you're, you're a child. Then there's a Johnny Ellis, shitty catcher from the 70s. But Luis Tion, 79 and 80, he pitched for the Yankees. Um, for the Giants, awful Perry Williams. <laughs> he was in 80, I think it was 81. Or Isn't 80. Bradbury 23 uh, now? Uh, I don't even know. I don't know the he's current. The, I think Nobody he's, knows the he's current. He's arguably numbers. their best defender. Marshawn Lynch we can't talk about. I was going to do it for my buddy Mark DiCarlo in Chicago. Rhino Sandberg. I was going to say him. Kirk Gibson. Um, and stuff like that. David Justice was another 23. Um, but I decided I'm splitting mine between two. But there's a, there's a method to my madness on this one. Julio Franco. And I'll tell you why. He played till he was 67. He's your age. Okay, he's my age. He's, he's, he's 13 years older than me. He paid, I think he played like 55 years in the league. He, was like, he played one year with like Mantle, and he played all the way throughout. And I saw him one of his last at-bats on television. I was like, he looked old. Like, it didn't even, and he still had that. Probably got a base hit opposite field. He, he struck out, but I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, this guy, you know, some guys are old, and they, but they don't, he looked old, but his swing was still nice. You know, he was he's, still, he's still playing winter ball in the Dominican Republic. Public. Right, so I had to. I just think I, it's funny how kids probably hate a Julio Franco because he's like, it'd be like if Gardner plays another ten years. He's got the most, I, one of the most iconic batting stances in history. The, Julio Franco, yeah, right, the, the high bat, and he's still little, it's, it, it was so slow at the end. But like, think of, think of Gardner right now. We think he he's shot, right? But what if it's like 2031 and you and I are going, you know, we got Gardner he back. Still he still fouls play, off like, 40 pitches in that bat. <laughs> like, I just think it's funny how long uh, he played. So, But the other guy I'm going to go with, and let me see if you kids at home know this. I'm going to go with an old New York Giant baseball player, okay? He's kind of famous for one thing. His name. Bobby Thompson. Oh, no, I was going to... And I'll tell you why. You know what he's famous for? He hit the home run. The Giants win the pennant. The Gi now, before the age of ESPN and highlights and all that stuff... That was the one highlight you heard, like any time a team clinched, a news broadcast would show that clip first and then show the, so that to me, highlights now get lost in the shuffle. It, there's a highlight on ESPN every four minutes of something somewhere in the world. Where back then this was filmed and they linked, synced it up with the radio audio and it's he hit the big three-run home run to beat the uh brooklyn dodgers who were devastated and the, the the famous call was the giants win the pennant the giants win the they're going crazy and that aired i think picture a video clip now aired that that was like a famous one for 40 years and i think that's significant so it's one of the major sports clips of all time 
So this is the Bobby Thompson Julio Franco show. The Giants and the Dodgers both leave, and then we get this other shitty team in New York who inherits both of their colors, takes the Yankee logo, puts flowers at the end of correct. it. Correct. Totally agree. The Mets. I got nothing to say. It's all correct. And the Mets, uh, they won it twice, and now I don't want to. I don't want to bash. Did the they Mets. win it twice? Oh yeah, they did. They yeah, did. Eighty six, sixty nine. So. Um, but yeah, so Bobby Thompson and Julio Franco, a veteran. He looked like, you know what happened at the end? With I thought you were going to say Oil Can Boyd when you said famous for oh, something. Oh, he's 23? I didn't see that one. All right, that would have been a good one too. But Julio Franco at the end, you know what he was? He was a clubhouse guy. And this year for Chop Sports, again, I hate, to, I hate to say this, but the softball team this year is very simple. When I was there, we were 9-0. When I wasn't there, we were 0-9. So heading into free agent signings, do you think I have a little power at the table a little you, bit? You have leverage with us and us only. There's it's no a, other team out there that's looking for a locker room I guy. Think, but we could give you the Gardner bonus and give you the $4 million for one year. Because I'm, I'm on now, back. I, I hurt my hamstring. I'm now a clubhouse guy. I understand that. I know where my place is. But Julio Franco, Bobby Thompson. The Jair Alexander show. What's yours? That's Jair Alexander. I'm all in on the Packers this year. Who? He's the best corner in football. I, who, I know who. Who? You don't even know the Giants' best corner. I don't expect no, no. you. I fully all, don't expect you to know. First who of all, Jair Alexander. Nobody is. knows the numbers anymore. And if you're over fifty, nobody cares about the numbers anymore. Plus, it's August, and I have to re reassess when I get on my flat screen. I'll see who the numbers. Who's are. still there? Who's not? I'm two years away from forgetting Eli Manning was number ten. So um, that's how it goes. But who's this guy? Gary? Who? Jair. Jair. Alexander. Alexander. So, show number 23 of the Jimmy Plomo Show is Bobby Thompson, the most famous call of all time, home run he hit, and Julio Franco, and you're going with like a third-year <laughs> third year cornerback on fourth. the Fourth-year cornerback on the Packers. I'm so much better at doing this than no, you are. No, you're, you're so you're much useful. better. First of all, you, you say 11 names, so I'm, well, stuck I, with I picking, I'm stuck with picking something that's definitely not going to be said by you. You go on and you say all the famous ones, and you're okay. like, I'm not going to use Listen, this, not going to use this. So I'm like, okay, again, check it off, show. check it off. Okay, it's my show, show, and you're shitty at it. <laughs> <laughs> go, go fuck yourself. All right. all right. I got all right. an intern in here. He's staring at me like I'm a jerk off. He's wearing a shitty med hat, um, and he, but he's looking things up for me. He's actually doing his job, but he's actually behind the glass if there was glass here. Not like you, who are just, you just look so at now. Him. I don't right. want to. So talk now, about no, no, no. This is a good. This is a good topic. I think, or not, not topic, but conversation piece. So if he's the producer and he's now producing, I could leave. No, no, you can't leave because he doesn't have a microphone. Right, he doesn't right. know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I was just. But he knows what he's doing. Out, These young kids today. Jail free card. What's your name again? AJ. AJ. Uh, the running gag is every week. I'm just going to ask him what his name is. Because <laughs> I am the liaison. He knows who I am, even though I didn't hire him. Um, AJ's here along with Chris Gucci behind the glass. So that's it. Of course, uh, right after this, that was the my opening segment where we just kind of discussed a few things of the day. Um, I also, uh, and that means it's time for one thing. What time is that? It's time for, and that means one thing. It's time for Pete A. Bean's. Stop Restoration. That's right. www.stop-edison.com. Everyone hates when I do the www, but I have listeners that are older. But no, it's stop-edison.com. Stop Restoration of Edison. That's right. They are a remediation service. They will take care of a water damage, fire damage, smoke damage, mold damage. They're fully cleaning. If you got a hoarder in the family, animal infestation, 
they're locally owned, but it's a national franchise. They'll do your business. They'll do your house. They go in there and they take care of it. If your sump, uh, sump pump gets a rash and blows up and there's crap all over the place, they'll take care of that. They do everything. They even do like weird stuff like biohazard cleanup. They got 24-hour emergency services. You call them. They're in a jam. They'll come get you. It's 732 812 Four two three six. Again, they'll go all over the place. 732-812-4236. That's Stop Restoration, owned by one of the better players ever to play Corona softball, but didn't play long enough, unfortunately. Pete A. Bean, call up, talk to Pete, tell him Jimmy Palumbo sent you, and uh, you'll get no discount from Pete. But maybe you will. He'll find a little spot in his heart. Uh, I guess it depends on the job. Uh, <laughs> if it's biohazard, then they'll charge you 40% more. But call them up. They'll get there right away. They'll give you, um, what do you call it? They'll give you a bid on the job, and they'll make it happen for you. Again, stop restoration, 732-812-4236, www.stop-edison.com. So let's see. I had a crazy week. Um, I went to my buddy Brian's wedding, kid's wedding. It was awesome. It was a Monday night. Me and my, uh, my cousin John, we got trashed. We had a good time. Um, again, Congrats to Benjamin and Elsa. It was beautiful. Uh, very uh, cool uh, Jewish wedding with all the accoutrements and traditions. It was very, very cool. And beautiful speeches by my friend Brian and his wife Jill. It was awesome. Uh, I did an audition from here last week. And uh, that was the first audition. I had a call back a couple days later. And I booked the gig. So I booked a commercial, which is very exciting. It shoots tomorrow in uh, at the Red Bull Arena. So I'm going to try to take some uh, pictures you of that. You can make the, uh, the check payable to Chop Sports Network. Uh, I, I was thinking about giving you guys uh, the similar treatment you gave me when it comes to uh, revenue. Six months so down the line, we'll six get Six months now, you'll get a free home version or a free housebreaking wee-wee pad courtesy of Puppy City, Ralph Avenue, and Avenue J. But uh, if you get that joke, Text me, I'll send you a dollar. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I got a booking, which is exciting. I got my did my wardrobe today. I can't say the name of the booking yet because I think I signed an NDA. I'll find out tomorrow if I can do that. I had to shut air. down Dave, and he started to talk about you getting the booking. And, 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 and the name and of the I was place. Like, I, yeah, okay, okay. So on your show, you discussed it. That's good. Now I know at least no one knows about it. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well done all, It's funny how all major announcements now Are going through the Jimmy Palumbo show here at Chop Sports And who knows we may have a major announcement Coming up in the next couple of weeks We hope to hear some good things But that's another story um, I had to get COVID tests I'm waiting around all this different stuff It's crazy They make You You got to get the three day before test and Then when you get to the set They got to do the, the quick rapid one It's like they're crazy but it's good because you're working, people like breathing on you and shit. And uh, so I'm glad they, as long as they test out the wazoo, I hope everybody uh, on the set is clean. I also bartended this Wednesday at a wedding outside. It was 85 degrees. I'm sweating my ass off. One of these weddings, again, young people. And I, you know what? I, I really, I'm an assistant coach, really. I The the women were dressed in, they had like no clothes on. It was you're hot. The, you're the... I, I, the after party liaison. I, I you need, set up. I need to be. <laughs> I need to be. I need to be the bartender at a wedding guy liaison to tell the guys what they're doing wrong, and that is basically like these girls were. They were all probably 25, 28 years old, gorgeous, and uh, nobody like none of the guys were. I got to the point where somebody recognized me. 
He's like, dude, you were in beer league, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was in beer league. He goes, oh my God, it's a loose. I used to watch that years ago. And I'm thinking, what were you, nine? You look like you're 12 now. So he goes, weren't you on Friends either? He said the word Friends. Next thing you know, there was a flock around the bar. You were on Friends. What episode? What episode? So I tried to be cool about it. I, got, I looked at him. I said, I'm so big of an actor and a star that I'm bartending in a backyard at a wedding in Mawa, New Jersey. So uh, things are not going my way like you think. But the next, they're Googling me. But meanwhile, none of the guys, finally I asked the one guy, I go, dude, who, like, who's the girl in the red? Who's that girl in the blue? How come, why are they, uh, they look like free agents. Are they signed? It's like, well, the one girl kind of has a boyfriend. I said, is he here? No. And I go, what about the one in the red dress? He goes, oh, I'm with her. I'm like, oh, that's good to know. Next question was, well, how old is she? <laughs> if he would have said over 35, I would have said, dude, you're screwed. Bartender's coming on a blitz. No, but uh, <laughs> the uh, the guys sit around. But the funny thing is, in the beginning, everybody tries to be classy when you're in like an event like this. So some of the girls are like, oh, I don't know what to drink. Can I have maybe a little vodka with some soda? You know, some like seltzer and like lime, you know, and they ask real polite and they, if I'm feeling it too heavy, they're like, oh, that's a real strong one. I'm like, okay, give it to her. Cut to two hours later. She's like, give me some vodka with that soda and lime and you can put anything else in there. You put tequila on top of it and give me some tequila. Oh, put some cranberry. Everybody was trashed. It was awesome. Um, they weren't that drunk, but they were totally like bouncing off the walls. Um, and meanwhile, none, nobody was hitting on them. And I was getting, I wanted to like, I wanted to be the hookup liaison to the wedding where I should like, you should come to me if you're not hooking up and I will tell you who you should blitz. Um, but of course, uh, they tipped well. I had a blast. I sweated my ass off. Um, but it's just, it's just weird. These young guys, it's just, they just don't, you know. It's not like they're all, they don't blitz on every down. I don't know why. Well, you know, I guess maybe they think the girls are annoying or they know them. I don't know. It's frustrating for me. But um, I just watched all these young girls frolic around Mostly my bar. Mostly now, everybody just hits on people through their Instagram. That's what probably is. There's no social contact. In Nobody talks life. to anybody. No yeah, you get the feeling that everyone eventually did get laid that night but me. But it happens like not like uh, over the, can you get laid over Instagram where like you actually don't even touch the person? Is there a way to? If you're wait, good wait, wait, with wait. it, okay. If, if you're meaning like no, I'm talking about you actually like, never, like you never, you, you never even made <laughs> like, contact. There's got to be a way to get laid over Instagram while you sleep, like uh, alone without your you're phone. Developing even. that, Elon Musk yes. is actually developing that app now. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Probably I also is. played, I played pickleball this week a little bit. I got challenged by my good buddy Dave because I know he's delayed like eight weeks on these podcasts. So. Um, I was telling him, like, I was like, dude, you know, there's only four guys better than me in the whole group, right? And some of the players are really good. But there's probably maybe eight guys better than me, but I just say four to bust his balls because he's really into it. He, he goes online, but I'm better than him. And he knows it, but he won't admit it. And uh, so I'm like, dude, there's only four guys better. He goes, yeah, but you play sometimes and you suck. I'm like, yeah, I know. You know why? I'm tired. I don't care. I'm talking to everybody. Like, you get into it. You give it 100% attention, and you're not that good. So he goes, ah, you you overrate yourself. I said, okay. I said, well, I'm going to play tomorrow. I'm going to dominate. So I got there. I was real quiet. I was all, you know, missed a couple shots in the beginning. And he was looking at me like, there you go. I'm like, I was like, bro, I'm coming. Totally dominated for like an hour. But then I got bored. And it's fun to just bust balls rather than win a bunch of people in their 50s and 40s and stuff. Um, so I started playing pickle again, which I'm happy about. And the gang down there is very sweet. Um so I'll say hi to Jan and Linda and Dave and Roseanne and 
Trevor and Big Jim and all that gang, and Karen and Desmond who run the show there. Um, and uh, that's a good way to lose weight, and I enjoy it. Um, so that's my pickle story for the week. The other thing is uh, I'm back at the gym again, and I made a brutal mistake. They have a smoothie bar, okay? Now, in the old days, smoothie bar meant something else, but it's another story. I ordered one without really thinking about it, and dude, I don't know what was in that thing. I I literally had the runs for like, I she must have put some kind of one of those like weird beet juice, beet juice kiwi, akakia, maca, macarena juice. I don't know what it was, dude. I, my stomach hurt. Like through the night, I and make, I, I make my girlfriend order for me when we go to those places because I don't know how to order uh, that shit. I mean, Starbucks I, or that, I'm just like it was eleven dollars. You know, I I basically paid eleven dollars to shit myself. Like I I, I even I, I went back there the next day. I'm like, uh, do you guys are you guys in cahoots with when you get a colonoscopy? I could just come here, get one of these drinks. I'll be good to go for the colonoscopy. I don't know what it was, some kind of peanut butter thing, but all kinds of. I didn't really look. Was it good? Uh, it, taste was just okay. Not great, but it, it, it I can't I, I can't eat that anymore. I, it was I was uncomfortable. Like it, definitely whatever ingredient disagreed. It had nothing with to me. do with the scotch. No, no, I didn't drink scotch. I was drinking a little bourbon though, but that's not what it was. It definitely wasn't that. So um my gym I'm concerned about the gym and me getting smoothies there. <laughs> so um another big news, we're here at the Chop Sports Network on the Jimmy Palumbo show. We have a hotline number, okay. Now here's what's gonna happen. All my awesome listeners out there, okay? Here's what you're going to do. You're going to dial 732-200-2970. That's 732-200-2970. And you're going to leave me a message on the hotline on the over and under on the Giants this year is seven. Are they going to win more than seven games or under seven games? I'm going to publicly say the Giants are going to win nine games. Basing that on, I like the way they played last year. I think they got better. They're going to win a few more games. Um, but I want to hear what you guys have to say. All you Cowboy fans, feel free to jump in. Let me know. All you Giant fans, call in. Um, or anybody else just wants to say hi, and we'll uh, we'll do something next week on the show. Maybe air your... Uh, maybe air. Maybe air. We can't guarantee that we're going to air. We won't guarantee Any anything. or all of them, we need some... Good content. So yes, it's got to be funny. The, you're on the clock. So gives, you're on the clock. Dude. Not too long. Just be quick about it. And we'll see if we can put a few of them on. Maybe uh, the producers here behind the glass will figure out. Try how to, to keep it under a minute. Keep it under a minute. Okay? You can do that for us. So do that. Again, how many games will the Giants win with the over and under being seven? Um, you don't really have to say that, but you can just say, you know, you could just say the Giants are going to stink or they're going to be good. Okay, now it's time for Jimmy's Bookings, the worst name of segment in the history of podcasts. Um, and we decided to keep it because it's so lousy. It's just boring, Jimmy's Bookings. But when I do Jimmy's Bookings, it's sponsored by Absolute Eyewear. That's right. 42 Main Street, Woodbridge, New Jersey, 732-326-3937. Absolute Eyewear. Getting involved here from the Omni in Atlanta. Craig and Janine Michaud are the owners. They're brother and sister. They're licensed opticians. Craig is my right center fielder. They are open. They are closed on Wednesday and Sunday. Why are they closed on Wednesday? Softball. Why are they closed on Sunday? 
football. There you go. I love your your lack of enthusiasm. On Honestly, that. trying to create a little magic there. It's I not feel like happen. I feel like it's a trick question sometimes that I'm going to say it wrong. You're going to say like, it wrong. Okay, you panic. Say last week. Okay, it's just a panic move. They're open most of the time except for Wednesdays and Sundays. They are full service opticians. They got everything over there. Prescription eyewear, prescription sunglasses. They got non-prescription sunglasses, safety glasses, sports glasses, motorcycle glasses, glasses for the kids getting involved, contacts. They do eye exams. They got glasses for every budget, especially for me me and Chris. We have no budget. Um, as a matter of fact, I think Chop Sports going to have a full eyeglass plan, which means you just call Call Janine and Craig, and they'll make. Of course, Janine is our major uh, contributor to the Chop Sports page on Facebook. Um, she's maybe the only contributor that makes any sense. She hates when the Yankee players do shitty, but she'll take care of you with the glasses. They got discounts for seniors, AAA, AARP, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and they got a deal: a hundred dollars off a complete pair of prescription eyeglasses when you mention this podcast. Key phrase: complete pair, which indicates. Frames and lenses. So you gotta go to Absolute Eyewear, 42 Main Street, Woodbridge, New Jersey, 732-326-3937. And guess what? They have a bunch of brand names. And what are those brand names? Your attention, please. Here are the following glasses available at Absolute Eyewear. Ray-Ban, Coach, Ralph Lauren, Jimmy Choo, Silhouette, Michael Kors, Vogue, Maui Jim, and Costa Del Mar. That's it. Always ends with Bob Shepard and the glasses. And so go check out Absolute Eyewear, 732-326-3937 as we head right into my bookings. Now, we're going in chronological order. So here we go. 30 Rock. Now, I did, my, I did two episodes of 30 Rock, which you're not supposed to do. Usually they don't let actors do two episodes. But the first one I did was starred, uh, you know, Tina Fey, obviously. And I was directed by Don Scardino. And uh, it was a cool gig. First, they shoot it right at 30 Rock. It's a cool, it was a tough show to, they don't have many out, you know, uh, guest stars and co-stars on the show. They just usually shoot the cast, you know. But Tina Fey did Beer League, and I knew she was tight with Frank Sebastiano. I probably mentioned this on the you air. You did. She got her She, she got, got her So I went up to the first day, I walked right up to her, and she just said, I said, hey, Tina, it was good to see you. I was in Beer League. She goes, oh, that's where I got my SAG card. And I, the guy looked at me like, like she got her SAG card? And she was also in Mean Girls. I thought that was before Beer League. I got, that's what she said. She got her screen. I don't know. She got her SAG card. She said it to me twice because I did the show twice. She did the same material. Um so I did that, and uh, it was a blast because we totally, uh, um, I had good, uh, funny lines on it, and it was a cool show to do. At the time, it was a hot show, and Tina Fey was absolutely a doll. And um, so that's my 30 Rock there, so it was cool. And I actually booked it again, and they realized that I had booked it, and they did this thing where I played a pizza owner, but they let it slide. I guess I had a good audition. I don't know. Um and that was also a big, like, it did well in the ratings. So a lot of people remember me from 30 Rock. So um, that's my 30 Rock. The next one was on CBS called a show nobody knows. If you know it, text me. I'll send you a dollar. show called Mad Love. One season with Jason Biggs and Judy Greer. And uh, I know that show. Uh, you owe me a dollar. You know the show? I do know the okay. show. Okay, and uh, Tyler Labine. Chubby guy with a beard. He's going to hate me if he hears me say it. was directed by Scott Ellis. Also, Sarah Chalk was on it. She's a hottie. Uh, the cool thing was, uh, 
Jason Biggs is a total Jersey guy. Grew up like big giant fan. So while we we're eating lunch, we just sat around. He was like, "Ah, oh, dude, I used to grow up in Bergen County. I'm a big giant fan. Like we totally hit it off. But I had so little to do. I was playing like a cop or something like that. I was there for the pay. Again, they were overpaying me. Um, there was a chance something were recurring, but of course that never happens. They say that. But T Tyler Labine, who's done a lot of things since then, you know his face if you saw him. Um, I knew right away. I'm like, this guy is... This guy's good. He's special. He's gonna he's gonna work after that. And Judy Greer, who we share uh, managers with, she was um, she's like her career is like mine, but significantly better. She's always playing the friend, you know, the, the the little sidekick. But she works in much bigger films, and she's been like a couple of series regulars. She's like, but she has even a book about about being uh, in a bunch of guest star roles, but nobody knows your name. She wrote a biography on that. Um, she's a wonderful person and a wonderful actress and, um, she kicks ass. She really does it. She's really good. She's got a new show coming out, which I don't know the name of, but I'll bring it up eventually. Um, so kudos to Judy Greer. She was on the show and, uh, that was mad love. The next one was, and this, this will make sense for chop sports. I did an episode of the good wife directed by Robert King, who also created it. And uh, it was casted by Mark Sachs, those of you scoring at home. And Mark Sachs casted me three times in his shows, which is cool. It starred um, uh, Archie Panjabi, who just won the Emmy. And it was awesome because we shot it. I played a construction guy. And the whole scene is that I'm complaining to her. They're trying to... Um, Think they think I have mob connections, and I'm like a legitimate uh, Italian contractor, and I'm yelling at her like, "Why you always go up to the Italians and think they're mob guys?" You know, the the guy who started Bank of America was Italian. This guy was Italian. You know, I'm yelling at her, but we were on this lift. We shot it at the uh, uh, what do you call it? The uh, Barclays Center. I, can't I was going to say Prudential Center, but it's the Barclays Center. So the thing was like half open. I'll post some stuff online later, and they had us in this lift, and. The lift went like 35, 40 feet in the air. So as we're going up, it's like rattling a little bit. Usually they put like a safety thing on. I guess they didn't feel it was necessary. So but they got us in position. Then they just brought us back down. And the thing bumped. And when it bumped, it like it scares you. And we were like literally on the edge of the deep pit that you could see deep down into the uh, Barclays Center. And I looked at the girl. I was like, oh, you know, we got dangerous here. You know, I was like, last week, a kid at Notre Dame got killed on one of these. So she looks at me. She's like, why are you Why are you telling me this? I'm scared up here. I don't understand. I go, no, I'll take care of it. We go downstairs. We, we lower it down. And I go, who's in charge of this thing? Like the up and down button. He, the guy's like, I am. I'm like, you're in the union? <laughs> he goes, yeah. I go, you got to let us know. Hey, Jimmy, we're going up. We're going down. Because it bumps and it, it freaks you out a little bit. He goes, oh, no problem. You didn't harness you guys in? No, we weren't. I feel like that's OSHA regulations. I know, we weren't harnessed. Guys. We were not harnessed. I don't know why we weren't. We just weren't. Uh, I was, to be honest with you, I was afraid about the thing tipping. But there was absolutely like no wind at all. Like not even one of those. I'm not good with any of that. Heights, yeah, you, you ocean, been, none of it. I'm going to post a picture. I get in touch with my marketing guy. It'll probably get posted four months from now. But when I, <laughs> when I post a picture... Um, you guys will get an idea of uh, how cool it was to see. First of all, it was cool to see the Barclays Center half built. You know, that's always a cool, I mean, how often are you going to be able to say you saw it, you know, from 40, 50 feet in the air looking down into it. Half the seats were up, half the, uh, there was no court yet. It was well before the court was laid down. But I got some pictures of it and, and uh, the lift and all that. So I'll post them. Uh, the next show I did was a show called, uh, with Glenn Close called Damages. 
And it was a great thing for me because the show was a little bit of a hit. And I played a, a, a prison guard and I sat in the hallway for like three days. And I, they overpaid the hell of me. It was only on direct TV at the time. And uh, I sat in the hallway for three days and made a ton of money. I had like maybe five lines. But it was directed by Timothy, Timothy Busfield. Um, he's on a ton of shows. He was part of that original uh, 30-something crowd there back in the day. Um, so uh, that was my phone that just went off, so I can't yell at you. Um, but yeah, Timothy Busfield couldn't have been nicer. Very cool. And I've auditioned for him a couple times, almost booked a ton of stuff with him. So basically, I sat in the corner. I had coffee, newspapers. But I sat in the corner. I, I didn't even move because I'm like, you know what? It was like air conditioning. I'm, like, I'm just going to sit here. And when they're ready to shoot, they shoot me and I go home. That's what I did. That was my damages. The next one was pretty wild. It was a Boardwalk Empire, which was, uh, I love that show. That was love one of the that show. coolest shows. Uh, it was different. It wasn't like, it I'm was kind of like, like a set. Was, did they shoot that in Atlantic we, City? We, um, my scene, they did shoot, no, they actually didn't shoot all that much in Atlantic City. They recreated Atlantic City Boardwalk in Brooklyn. My scene was, I played one of the hotel owners when there's like the workers want to go on strike and stuff, and I paid, we pay the mob to take care of the workers. This is before like AFL, CIO and stuff. And it really kind of did happen back in the day. Um, and we're the hotel owners like going up to the mob guys like, Hey guys, we're giving you like twenty grand a month to handle this, like handle, handle it. it. But it started to become a little out of control, plus with the minorities and everything. But we shot it at it was one of these bookings. I've been blessed this way, and maybe no one's going to appreciate this, but I do. Uh, there's actually an Explorers Club in New York. Do you know that? Like they have like the the the, the, uh, the Friars Club. Oh the yeah, yeah. There's yeah. one called the Explorers Club, and it the, the, the it's a three story like walk up thing had to be from the 20s or 30s, and you walk in, it's like this gentleman's club, a, a, a place well past its prime. But they, you walk in there, and there's a huge, like, 15-foot polar bear staring right at you, and it's like the original one. They have all kinds of cool books, and supposedly, like, they do all kinds of science things now. And it's also like you can have a cocktail hour there. I think you might even be able to have a small wedding there if you wanted to. Cool place. You can't get in unless you're... Doing like you got to be a member, so I didn't even realize I was so naive. Like I didn't realize. the Explorers Club. You hear that like sometimes in old TV shows. You'll spend in like oh, you'll end up at the Explorers Club. And there really is one, and that thing has been around since a like seventeen hundred. Yeah, I think that's I, why they called the Explorers Club because there really was because Explorers. They really right? were going to explore, and I think they used to raise. I think through that, I, I'm not 100 percent. I think they used to raise funds for some of these explorers to go out. Um, we shot it there, but. You gotta remember, on Boardwalk, it took place in the 20s. I was wearing a three-piece suit, wool suit, vintage suit. It was actually a really, a real suit. Yeah, like they used to win Emmys for their set, oh, totally. and their costume design. And it took, the, the wardrobe was like two hours because the guy did, the, the little Italian guy was doing the, the fitting. He said it had to be, they wore everything tight and it was like every little, there was a million marks on me. They, they went nuts with this suit. So when I got there, when I first put it on, there's something cool about putting a heavy wool suit on. It really, it's not like these cheap ones we wear today. Like this, you put it on, you're like, wow, this is a suit. Like you feel like having a scotch, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. And I had the vest. Problem is we're on the third floor of the Explorers Club. <coughs> and um, I realized like, oh my God, they're going to shut the air off. I have this three-piece wool suit on. It's 100 degrees outside summertime. So we get in, and all of a sudden, 
20 minutes, half hour. There's 15 guys in a room the size of the studio. And we all had lines. Everybody had like three or four lines. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to become unbearable. Like, like I crazy. We did like 50 takes. The guy, there was a guy to my left, older guy, a little overweight. I said to myself, not going to make it. All of a sudden I turn around on one of the takes and he goes tumbling over like, he didn't faint, but like, he was like, oh, I lost my footing, but he was tripping wet. They called a TV timeout. You know, they, they gave him some water, ice. They took a break for 20 minutes. Uh, and then we came back out. He was fine. But even like, he was sweating bullets all the time. He probably lost 45 pounds as I did. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, Michael Pitts was in the scene. But so was, um, the, what do you say? The, Dom, the guy from Sopranos, Dominic uh, Chianese. I don't know how you say his last name. I should know that. But Dabney Coleman was in the scene. Uh it was just cool, but it was just so hot in the room. But they were overpaying me. I got overtime. And it was a really cool scene, cool show to be on. One of those New York shows that you're glad you did. It was a major show on HBO. And uh, so it was cool. And I actually, I have the ending scene as we're walking out. I'm the last guy to give the mob guy shit. I tell him, like, take care of it. You know, a little wise-ass line, which was cool. So uh, that was my Boardwalk Empire. They shot it at the Explorers Club. And I, I lost, like, 15 pounds sweating my ass off. Um I only hope that they uh, got the suit dry cleaned. You know what I mean? Next show is, and this is weird, Person of Interest. You remember that show? Yeah. Okay. What, uh, she's a huge star now. And if I'm blowing her name, I don't know. Taraji Henson, African-American. Uh, she's a big star now. She was either, she was so disinterested in our scene. Like, I think she left the show the next year. Like, she just didn't, like... We were trying to, people were trying to be friendly with her. She was like, she wasn't not friendly, but she, we don't, it was like, she looked like a plumber just wants to just lay the PVC pipe and go home. And I can relate to that because I had my four lines and I just had my lines and we went home. But um, it was just funny. I was playing a jerk off detective and I felt like everybody was being a jerk off on the set. So I just, it was one of those gigs where, you know what you mean? You've got to be a pro, come in, hit your free throws and go home, you know? So I have nothing really to report on person of interest other than the star of the show, who I think has won like 40 Emmys and Academy Awards since then. She looked at me like I was an oil painting, um, which has happened to me before on sets. Uh, and after that came uh, Law and Order. For the, the third second time? one. Second, second one. one I did. Law and Order SVU. Uh, and this was a creepy one. We shot it in Staten Island. Matter of fact, my buddy Dave... Um, my pickleball guy, Dave DeLisi, he came to visit me on the set. He thought it was cool. But uh, Mariska uh, Hargitay was there, and uh, we uh, we did the scene with her. And it was funny because uh, I think I've told this story on the air before, parts of it anyway, but the storylines on Law & Order SVU are so unbelievably creepy. That, yeah. like, it, it's disturbing. They really are. They really and, are. So, I'm sitting there, and I had said to, uh, I noticed that right after they yelled cut, Mariska completely broke character instantly and was talking about the other actor about, oh, I think I'm going to go for sushi tonight. I got, we got Nick's tickets or uh, Ranger tickets, whatever it was, or Yankee game. I forget what the sport was. And then, we, and then when they said, ready and action, she snapped right in very quickly. And I thought it was cool because I'm like, that's kind of how I do it a little bit. But like, she was like, from totally not in character. Now, do some actors not like when people do that? I, I don't know. I was more. It was. It, she was great at it, but there's a reason why. The, um, so I sat next to the script supervisor, whose job is to go through each line, 
and I, I looked at her, I was like, wow, you got to make sure each actor says every line. I said, you got to read all this. She goes, yeah. I go, I said, it's such a disturbing storyline. You know, I read the full script. And um, so, you know, Mariska had real trouble with it. She just, you know, it, it really bothered her too. Um, so so yeah. she decided to just be like, when we're working on the scene, we're all in. But as soon as we're done with the scene, um, you don't discuss the scene. You don't bring, you know, you just let, we let it go. You know what I mean? So he goes, the whole cast and crew is that way. Like, they're all in. They educate themselves. Because sometimes they got to meet with detectives and stuff that to educate, like, about when you're an actor and you're doing a scene, it's it's something, uh, I don't know if it's like a rape scene or or something weird. You Sometimes they have, um, not counselors, they have, uh, um, like, ex-cops or something. They fill you in on really what it's like to do an interview with somebody. And you got to educate yourself so you do the scene right. But they decided to, like, we do the work that way, but once we do the scene, like, you don't talk about it. You shoot it, you know? Um, and uh, it really was. Matter of fact, I get, whenever somebody says, I love that show, I always want to go, like, really? Like, why do you love that show? It's almost there like. Is, there is a, a large faction of people that love. Oh, it's a huge hit, but I. Not only that, just, like, the documentaries about murder, about. I know, the, I guess. The darker, I guess, the better. For, for these, like, it's, the, it's, the, it's the car wreck thing you want to pass yeah. by. I, you know what? I, I didn't mean to say I don't understand why people don't, but I uh, recently I watched one, and of course, once you get hooked, you want to find out what the hell happens. You That's know? what it is. They, they and, reel uh, you in it's good. It's like that, the Dateline ones. So like, there's ooh. a reason why there's a billion different right but this one is special victims well, so it's it's like it's 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 shitty I, I i and this this episode that i did was unbelievably um a matter of fact i actually wrote down the uh mary gambaradella was the script supervisor she was so sweet on the show she did like 70 of them um but uh i just find it I, when i watched the whole episode i was like it was about um a guy who ends up uh, killing a bunch of people and they can't find the bodies and then they bring dogs down. They think it's like one body. So they bring a dog, the dogs down to the beach and they bring like 16 dogs down and 16 different dogs stop in one pl in different places. And that's when she realizes it's a serial killer because wherever the dog stops, that's where a body is. But it was just, the one girl gets brutalized. It was horrible. Matter of fact, at the audition, it was so funny, you had... There was like eight guys and 15 girls in the room getting ready to audition. All the women were between the ages of like 18 and 25. And they were all like getting themselves fired up to cry. And they were all like looking miserable getting into character. I get because that was their role, the main role of the thing. And then they had like 30 guys like me playing the jerk off cop detective and stuff like that. And I was uncomfortable in the room because I was like, I was like, I only read a little bit of the script because that's all they gave me initially. And I'm like, Oh, that girl's got to play the one that was like really abused and like, man, you got to get into a bad place when you do that. And the casting director comes out, realizes there was only like three or four of us left at like fifteen, and he comes out and goes, "You know what, guys? I don't care what your appointment time was. I'm going to do you guys all right now, and then I really want to take the time with these women. They got a much different scene here." And I thought it was like literally everybody clapped, and even the girls were like, "Oh, that way!" So all the boobs went in. Took me, you know, forty seconds to do my audition, and I got out. And the girl that would be for me would be the hardest part of. Oh, the it was acting. brutal. It was, there was a girl who had, at the audition was, um, everybody's got their own method, I guess. She had like a pillow on her lap, and she was she put her face into her pillow, and she was like crying into the pillow. And I guess that was the way for her to 
get into this, uh, I don't know if the scene took place on a bed or whatever, but that was her safe place or whatever. But I realized that, like, I've never had to do a scene. You know, obviously, I'm not, I don't have the range of Daniel Day-Lewis. Could, Day you, cry? could um, you cry right now on camera if you had to? I could now. I probably couldn't have more than two years ago. Um, maybe, maybe... Maybe my dad, pay, I don't know. I'd have to do one of those replace a sad thought yeah. thing. But no, I, I'm not a crier uh, uh, with tears. Uh, but now what they do is, I did a show once, what they do is they shoot you, you with this like stuff. do like what my niece does when she wants an extra piece of candy and I tell her no and then she fake cries. She fake cries. No tears. Well, you could, the uh, Jimmy Palumbo. I don't know if I could get the tears. But I probably could. Um, but I want to get paid at least $2,000 a day to do that. But uh, no, some people can cry on a dime, but... I watched uh, when I did that other other movie, uh, uh, Margin Call. Um, the guy uh, he they what they do is right before the scene they shoot you with this. It's almost like um, <laughs> it's like a Vic spray, almost bad analogy, but that's kind of it's like a mint spray or something. And as soon as it hits you, you immediately start to tear up. Then you go into the scene. Uh, but to do a scene, a long scene where you're not crying and then you got to cry when they can't shoot you with the stuff, that's tough. Um, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I've heard other actors say it. they, they have trouble crying. I don't so want to go too far off the beaten path, but have you ever seen the the kid that played in E.T., his audition, like that famous audition? No, he cried his eyes Bro, out. you got to look that up. I'll look that up. I'll look got to look that up. Did you ever well, watch Tropic Thunder? I did. Um, let's we'll let's finish it. Well, I'm, I'm done, really. That's it. The Law and Order. Creepy one. Uh, really good episode, though, if you're into that kind of thing. I think it's one of the better episodes. Um, and people have told me, oh, my God, that was a great one. I'm thinking... Ooh, great! A great SVU means that a great bad thing happened to a girl or a guy. You know, brutal. Um, the kid stuff. Oh, it's awful. But show's been a hundred years, and I wish I was a series regular on that. And uh, that was me hitting my glasses. Um, so that's it. That's my bookings. So we got here. Um, nothing really eventful in the bookings. Just kind of a rundown. I mean, listen, I've done a bunch of these, so not everything has a major story. I think the Thirty Rock one is funny with Tina Fey. I think uh, me busting uh, uh, Archie Punjabi's balls on <laughs> being up on the lift is funny to me. Uh, Boardwalk Empire, sweating my ass off, person of interest, and one of my Law and Orders. I've done. I'm a six-time Law and Order champ um, between the SVUs and the regular ones. So that's it. Jimmy Palumbo's booking. And I certainly can use some more of those. Otherwise, if you're an actor and you don't book spots, you end up going bankrupt, like like working for here. Me, me and AJ behind the glass will end up bankrupt because, number one, he's wearing a shitty med hat. You know what my new thing is? Every show, we find out how many times I say shitty med hat. And the, but it's not actually a shitty med hat. I don't know if it's that it's a med hat and it's shitty because it's a med hat or is it a shitty med hat? You wear shitty Yankee hats. And occasionally, Dave will wear horrific cowboy hats. This one's actually the one they kind of wear on the field, right? They don't wear orange brim. No, that's what it is. It's the orange brim. You look like you're working at a carnival. So uh, we'll, we'll say it at that. But uh, he'll be bankrupt, too. So if you're an actor and you don't book enough law and orders or you buy too many shitty men hats or shitty cowboy hats, um, you end up going bankrupt. And if you go bankrupt, Chris, there's only one guy to call. Our boy Warren Brumel. Warren Brumel. And the good thing about Warren Brumel is, okay, he's an attorney at law, 
and he is a debt relief debt relief agency. It helps people file for relief under the bankruptcy code. Now I had to say that last line because that's the legal ease. You have to say that. But Warren's been doing this for like thirty five years, okay? And he helps people rebuild their financial lives. Uh, he's located in Keyport, New Jersey, but he handles all of New Jersey, and it's all Zoom now. Everything's Zoomed. He can zoom you in, blah blah blah. And if you mention our show, you get a free. That's right, a free initial consultation here when you mention the Jimmy Palumbo show. Um, and Warren, like I said, he's been doing this for 35 years, and he's he's literally he's he's processed and filed over 10,000 bankruptcy cases. Okay, uh, great guy, and. Um, uh, he is now a advertiser on our show, but he also does the good thing. His firm, they now they only handle bankruptcies. Okay, he's not a jack of all trades lawyer. He'll be doing a divorce one minute, and next minute he's doing a personal personal injury case. Although I could have used every one of these, then all, all these jack of all trades I could have used. Um, funny thing is, I probably will end up using Warren uh, bankruptcy. Um, Maybe Chris and Dave. <laughs> Everybody's good. Eventually, everyone needs Warren when you file for bankruptcy. Um, but he makes the process simple and affordable. He's got payment plans. Uh, the number is 732-264-3400. Or more importantly, www.keyportlaw.com. You go on that website. They got everything there, stuff to fill out, stuff to inquire, and all that kind of stuff. Now, listen. Um, the, the bottom line is bankruptcy will stop foreclosures, repossessions, wage garnishments, bank levies, all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's, what, that's what Warren does. He gives you advice on all of that. You can go check out his five-star reviews on Google. Or better yet, you can go to avvo.com, the lawyer review shit site. I'm sure there's some really funny ones on there because sometimes lawyers, uh, they take a beating, and I'm sure on that review site. But he's got tons of five-star reviews. Um, I only wrote 12 of them. No, that's not true. He's got tons of good five-star reviews on there. And uh, like I said, uh, Warren Brumel. Uh, keyportlaw.com that's where you want to go for all your bankruptcy needs that's all he does that's what he does all righty so there you go warren brumel getting involved here from the omni in atlanta uh i was laughing uh, this morning i got in so late uh the other night and it made me think of a, of a crazy thing um I lived at home till I was like 41 and um, I used to come home late all the time. I was in the city. I was doing shows, doing this, that, and the other thing. I was just out drinking, watching, you know, watching games, whatever. When I came home, my parents were always asleep. They were older. So they were sleeping. I'd come in and I'd go, I lived in a by-level. I'd go right downstairs and that was it. I'd wake up the next day, do about, go about my business. So, but one night I was out and I ended up, um, uh, I met this girl, Riffy's actually, uh, ended up with this girl. She invited me back to her place, blah, blah, blah. I'll leave it at that. And I got home like pretty late. It was definitely like 4.30 in the morning, but like no big deal. Now I couldn't walk in the door. You know, I couldn't be like, I, I wanted that came in quietly and you know, I went right to bed, that kind of thing. So uh, um, I, w I walk in and my mother's at the top of the steps. She looked like Dee Snyder on that album cover with the bone in her hand. She was like, where were you? I got up to pee. It's four thirty in the morning. I was ready. I'm like, and I'm looking at her. I got a buzz on. I'm definitely in my uh, post uh, fooling around uniform. I just wanted to go take a shower. I just wanted to like game was over, but she was really ripping on me. And as she's screaming, um, I'm thinking to myself like, uh, you know what? My parents have been really cool for my whole life, right? Critical to my acting career. Didn't charge me rent. Wonderful things like that. 
And here's my mother ripping on me. And I gotta, I gotta just take this one. But then she kept on going on and on. I came like, like really close to being like, you know, my like yelling back. But I was like, no, my parents have been good. And all of a sudden, she looks at me. And she goes, "That's it. From now on, you have a curfew." And I went. <laughs> I, I was like, I was about ready to launch. I was like, curfew. I was about to really go, "Mom, what the f- are you talking about?" You know what I mean? She goes, "That's it. Your curfew is five a.m." And my body language was like, five a.m. That's a pretty good curfew. I mean, I don't think you can get a later curfew than that, right? So I'm thinking to myself, like, I said, okay, okay. She goes, oh, you, you got to call me to let me know. And you're not coming over. You got to call me before 5 a.m. And I'm thinking, okay. I went back downstairs. I'm, I get in my bed. And I'm thinking, what a loser. I'm 35 years old. I have a, uh, I have a, a, a curfew. This is brutal. Are you kidding me? But then I'm really thinking, like, wow, 5 a.m., I'm usually never home that late, you know, blah, blah, blah. So the next couple of weeks I go out, go to the bars around Woodbridge and stuff in the city, and I start kidding around about it. I'm like, hey, I'm talking to a bunch of girls. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, hey, girls, if you're going to have me tonight, I got a curfew. I got to be done by 5 a.m., you know what I mean? And some girls were giggling. Other girls were like, what a loser you are. But those are the ones that weren't going to sign me to a, you know, NBA 10-day contract anyway. So I'm looking at them, and I'm like going on. But so I did that for a couple of weeks, and some girls were getting a kick out of it. My buddies were ripping on me. So, but one night, this one girl, she, you know, she thought it was funny. And next thing you know, we start, we start chatting and having a good time, whatever. And um, I always played, I had, because I lived at home, all my games were on the road. I was like the team that had to rebuild his arena, so I had an extensive road schedule. So, but I became, I became tough on the road. Like, if, if you were, if you were gambling, like Palumbo on the road, late, alcohol, he's a tough out right here. You know it's like I mean? the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I was the Hawks. There you go. So, uh, so she's laughing. We end up, I end up back at her place, and we're joking around about we. You know, we, I got back around two two a.m. to her place, and we joke. We're joking around like you got to call your mother before five. You know, blah, blah blah. Well, you know, had a couple more drinks. We started whatever. God bless. We both fall asleep. Okay. She wakes me up at ten to five, grabs me like shakes me. She's like Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. You got to call your mother now. Think about this. Drinking all night, you're with some girl, you forget, you know, you don't even know where you are, and you get, you got to call your mother. I'm like, what? Who? What? Oh, yeah, it's because the curfew, the curfew. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. I'm looking for my phone, you know. I find my phone. I, I, I dial my mother. How's this going to go? This is the first time I'm violating. I'm close to violating the curfew. I dial the number. My mother picks up. I go, Ma, hey, listen, uh, you know, I'm not going to be coming home tonight. She goes, okay, thanks for calling. Click. I was like. This is the greatest thing ever. She Now, the girl at this point realized how pathetic it was having me there. And she's like, this is so embarrassing. You're pathetic in a curfew. I'm like, yeah, but since we're up, you know, could be a twine-night doubleheader here. You know what I mean? Take one for the team here. Round two from the Omni. So, uh, so that's my curfew story. I had a curfew at 5 a.m., which completely blows my mind. But you can't complain. I was trying to think... Isn't 5 a.m. the actual maximum curfew? Because isn't 6 a.m. Oh, yeah, 6 a.m. is the it's, next it's day. Morning. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like it's, it's, it's like saying 600 at-bats in the major leagues. I mean, you don't get... That's playing every day, leading off, maybe, right? So, but the other, the other time, and, and this is... Um, 
Janine from Absolute Eyewear is going to howl at this. And I just thought about while I was talking about getting home late. I was the kind of guy that when I get when I got home late, I would always go to a diner and like get like a Taylor ham, egg and cheese, and a coffee. And I would sometimes not unwind for the night, but just chill out for a second. Even though a couple of beers and yeah, I get all that, but I would just have a nice co- coffee. I didn't coffee didn't keep me up. You know, it's like it, it, it just didn't like you know. So I'd get a coffee, go to the diner. With a girl, guy, anybody. I was, I was, a, I grew up in that era where you went to the diner after kids don't do that anymore. Galaxy, yeah, Galaxy Diner, that kind of thing. Of course, uh, Galaxy Diner is where I had my communion party, which is funny. Anyway, so, but then after a while, with all the Dunkin' Donuts popping up, you'd be coming home from somewhere. You really didn't want to drive that much if you had a little bit of a buzz on. I would sometimes end up at a Dunkin' Donuts and either sit at the counter get a little muffin or something or sit, uh, go back in your car and sip on it, listen to WFAN just to chill out for a second, make sure you were decent enough to drive. So I must have ordered a large coffee and I, you go downstairs and we had a, a bathroom down where my bedroom was and I must have, you know, peed and then I realized I had this like half a coffee and I must have dumped, uh, I dumped the coffee into the toilet bowl, Okay. But I didn't flush. So I must have flushed the pee and then dumped it and just didn't do it. And I put the Dunkin' Donuts thing on top of the toilet bowl. Went to bed. My father comes in my room at 7 a.m. So I was probably, you know, maybe I got home at 3 o'clock or something like that. My father comes in and he wakes me up totally like grabbing my shoulder. He's like, Jimmy, Jimmy, listen to me. And I'm like, Ooh. I goes, he looks me dead in the eye. He goes, check your urine. I want you to check your urine. I'm like, check my urine. What the? F-? I'm look. I immediately looked out at my balls. Did I pee myself? What happened? He goes, come here now. Look, I want you to see something in the toilet bowl. And I'm thinking, oh my, I've completely forgot about the Dunkin' Donuts. I'm thinking, what the? F-? Am I peeing blood? I mean, what, what did I do? Did I, sh- I shit my? What did I, what did I do last night? I didn't remember anything crazy. We come around and in the toilet is looks exactly what it looks like a full Dunkin' Donuts coffee in the toilet, right? <laughs> It looked like coffee in the toilet, right? So he goes, Jimmy, if you're peeing like that, it's no good. I'm like, I look at him, I'm like, what? And for a split second, I'm like, whoa. Now all of a sudden, I see on the top of the bowl the large Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I go, Dad, I must have poured the coffee in the toilet bowl. He goes, ah, I thought I smelled coffee, but I wasn't sure. So then I look at my father and I go, Dad, if I'm peeing that color... <laughs> You got to dial nine one one. I'm I'm dead. Like that's what dead people pee like that. Like that is like I've had pee like that okay. recently. Kidney uh, stones. Well, not that, that, does it look like a large coffee cream? Honestly. No sugar. I don't think so. It was. I, I mean, so um, it's just not a good thing to be thirty eight years old and be woken by your father by saying check your urine. So that's my check your urine story. I know Johnny's driving off the road. These stories make no sense. I love a good segue here from the Omni in Atlanta. But uh, anyway, that's most of our show. We told a few stories. We did that. I got a big week this week. I'm, I'm actually up for another gig. Um, so I've had, th- let's see, two bookings in the last uh, two weeks. I did an industrial with my boy Jeff Cantor. And now I got this booking here, which I wish I could say the name, but I can't. Um, it's actually a name, a product I don't think I've heard of. Um, I won't. It's a healthcare company. But now that they got you, they're about to take over. They're, they're, I, I don't know if they're new in New Jersey. I don't know what it is, but we'll find out more about it. And I'll be able to go on the air. So I'm excited about that. Always good to be working. And um, 
I'm looking forward to uh, Rutgers season coming up. I'm look we uh, we might have some good news on some other fronts, some business stuff here at Chop Sports, which I got involved with. I might be a huge liaison. I might be a liaison to the overall Chop Sports Network, which would be fun for the kids scoring at home. And um, uh, we didn't even mention. I'll mention it briefly. The Yankees are um, they're not going away, but you don't feel. Uh, uh, when you watch the Yankees, like they've won what six series in a row? No, ten. Yeah, no, I don't think it might be ten. They ten? Lo- the last series they lost was right out of All Star break to the Red Sox. Well, there you go. So that's it, it. Might be that was close to a month ago. So it might be ten series in a row. But man, like you know, yesterday's game, they're up five to one in the ninth, and you, and you, the game ends. You feel you, you need to shower or have a scotch. I mean, it's just the way to. But they're winning, so. I just don't know how long it'll last. This series against the Red Sox this week is going to be telling. Well, I tell you what. They play the Angels tonight. You know they're going to lose tonight. That sandwich in game. They got to win, beat the Angels tonight. So you don't head into the doubleheader tomorrow, seven-game bullshit. Uh, We got got Cole pitching. They got to win tonight. So the Yankees are still in there. They're two and a half games back. One game in the loss column. That's cool. Um Rutgers football had a scrimmage. They did okay. They'll be starting up in about three weeks, and I'll be talking much more about that. Um, and uh, the Mets just don't have any players that they they're just not the same team they had. Their star signings gone. They got the Groms not pitching. I can't blame them. Um, can't I, I just the Mets just the, the, they don't have their team that they started out the season with, but they're definitely in a slide. But they're forty five games left. They got. They're only three games out. They can bounce back very easily. So that's what's going on. The Giants, I did watch, I admit it, a little bit of the preseason game. Um, I, I it, It's just um, preseason football. You know, it's just um, like I. the only play I noticed that made me laugh, and I, the best part about this quick story, and I'm, and I'm going to be off the air, I don't know any of the players. Probably the third-string Giant quarterback he dumped a pass to a third, fourth, fifth string fullback. And you know how in college, these big fullbacks, they catch the ball, then they turn slowly, then they get their shoulders up, and then they, even when they get tackled at second and three, it's like a seven-yard game. Well, in the NFL, he caught the pass, and he did that, like, turn move. Now, this guy was probably not a high draft pick. He turned, and some nobody linebacker from probably Oklahoma State or something that nobody knows, it was like... When I tell you it got snuffed out, it was such a like that the should NFL be NFL don't play around with that shit. That should yeah. be the when 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 freshmen in college want to watch this thing about the NFL, they should show just that play and say, "Hey guys, if you really think you're good enough to go to the NFL, just watch this play because whatever you do in the Big Ten or the SEC, look how good we are. We're as good as pro teams. Watch this no name linebacker come in and who's faster than you, bigger than you." He's everything better than you, and he stinks. You're both not going to make the team. <laughs> and, he, and it was like, yeah. but you got, it was such a, he, the, the, the running, he just got snuffed out. And it wasn't like a big hit. It was like, it was like a boring play, but it was like second and 10. You know what I'm talking about? You can see the, and the in classic quarterback, the pass was a little behind because he stinks. He's going to get cut. And so, but you know, in, in, whatever school he was at, he'd probably turn that, turn that into like 10 yards, you know? And this is like bad preseason football. Second and ten, you're out. But even bad preseason football, they're all guys that were the best player and on best the team player. they came and from. And they're all trying to make money for, like, for their families and stuff. So it's like, it's just one, as much as I don't like preseason football, it is funny how when you start to see uh, so many great college players, 
And they come to the big show, and it's like, no, everybody's good here. Everybody's fast. Everybody's big. Everybody's tall. It's like the OB Toppin thing with the Knicks. Great college player. Athletic, jumping all over the place. Come to the NBA. There's only 100, was there 150 NBA players? The sport is played worldwide. It's only 112 times? No. There's way more. There's, uh, like, there's 300. Like 350. Okay. So 350 players are in the NBA. It's a worldwide sport. And so, Obi Toppin, it's nice that you're athletic, but thank, thanks for coming down. Anyway, I'm bashing Obi Toppin because the Knicks aren't in season. I didn't talk much about sports in the beginning, but I did it at the end. So, that's my show. Uh, all right, I'm on my way home. I'll be seeing Natalie soon. And that's show number 23, the Bobby Thompson, Julio Franco show. And next week, maybe a very special guest. Where have you gone? <laughs>